0: Today's episode is very special because it marks the official appearance of the adjective-less Flinkman on Power of X-Men. We previously did an interview with Way of X writer Sy Barrier a month or so back, but we both became swamped with life and hadn't had the time to officially reunite to have a chat until now. Flink and I did a podcast called Generations of X, which is stored and archived as season one here. We bickered a lot doing that podcast, but it's because we were both so passionate and invested in that project. And let's be real, we all have that friend where you just feel so comfortable with the other and you just blur the lines and call each other out on any bullshit. Our friendship is unique because as much as we fight, we both know how to apologize to the other. And that's mark of a true friendship. Today's episode, I couldn't stop smiling while I was editing it. We catch up on the books, do a round of trivia, and a retrospective on the Hickman era X Factor, which just ended its run. So let's welcome him to the Power of X Men familia and get to our episode with the Adjectiveless Flink
1: Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss. Uh, no, flink, po- flink, flink, flink. What?
0: no, What? What? No, no. What'd I do? Uh, a lot has changed since you were in the resurrection protocols. What? But-
1: but I just remember, like yesterday, we were recording <laughs> an episode about, like, X-Factor. Oh! During the whole making of X-Men
0: and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when banshees are around. Was it supposed to be Jean, or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image, and a deliberate hint at
1: things to come.
0: What makes Marvel Legends so special?
1: Just the partnership with Marvel,
0: you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be We're weird. We could, but that would be, a be idiot, weird. So. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was
1: very gracious and 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 very kind.
0: This is the Power of X-Men podcast. I am your host, Spring. Hope you survive the experience. I have missed you so much.
1: Likewise, it's just been like hell not uh, hopping on a Zoom to chat X-Men with you every week.
0: Um, hell not being on a Zoom talking about X-Men. Also obsessively DMing you like at all hours of the day. <laughs>
1: uh listeners <laughs> this one does not understand the definition of the word boundaries like oh. i'm like okay you know let's save it for the podcast let's save it for the recording <laughs> but no you want to give me your up to the minute feels on everything oh all god, the time man. and i love it but we want to save it for
0: i know listeners. but like oh my god do you remember i would message you at like two in the morning, like. It's insane. Like doing a podcast, guys, is a weirdly intimate (laughs) thing when you have a co-host and like it's hard. It's really, really hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, recording generations of X with you was almost like being in a relationship. I mean, there were definitely days where I spent more time talking about the podcast with you than I spent talking about work with my coworkers or life with my like live-in partner. So, it was a it was a really close thing. Like we were kind of like this.
0: Well, we were really close always. We've been really close always. for like 19 years, and then I feel like when we did the podcast, like it's like we got into a relationship. Oh yeah. And it was weird. Like I remember like I was telling Jeff, I was like, oh, okay, well, we're gonna go, you know, into the city for two hours. I gotta tell Flink. <laughs> Let and me like, get I permission. Like, or oh, like, is it okay? Like you got everything. Like it's just so weird. And I think, you know, we you know, to give people context on like why we we bickered. Um I think what happened with us, two things. One, I love pretending, like, oh, I'm so cool. I'm going to do drugs and then shake you down at the Olive Garden. But I'm not like that. I am a type A. I'm a type A person. You?
1: No. I, don't no, need
0: that. I am. It's brand new information. A. It's a brand new information for you. But, um, and the second thing is, like, I just feel that, like, you know, we, we just it's exactly what we just said we just hit this point in our relationship where we were like talking every hour of the day and then in lieu of fighting about x-men we fought about the podcast because yep. you know like we love we always have really spirited debates which i love but yeah, it's, it, it's it, great it, except it, when you're <laughs> in a partnership exactly but it morphed from um from talking about X books to to the podcast and that was really you know I I own everything on my end I miss you I love you you know it's what's ridiculous
1: yeah and I mean I was going through a lot a lot at that particular time work was a lot uh family was a lot there was just a, a, a lot going on and I wasn't able to uh to give the podcast really everything that that you give it and um you know, it, it just wasn't the right time for, for me to, to be taking on an endeavor like that. But I, I am happy to be here now. Water under the bridge so far as anything that happened to us. And I do have to take a moment to tell you how proud I am of how much work you have done and how you have managed to grow generations of X from like a teeny tiny little thing to powers of X-Men, this huge podcast with like 6k followers like it's (laughs) it's it's no small feat so you should really be proud of of all of
0: you have been able to accomplish it's you know i think you said this best um we were both in the middle of a mental breakdown you said that to me and it framed everything to me because 2020 was so hard on both of us and i think we both dealt with it very differently like so differently but it doesn't matter like where anything where where power of X-Man goes or what happened with generations of X, I just really missed you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I, Likewise. and it's, and it's so funny. Like I was talking about this with like a friend, like we are basically death becomes, sir. we are Madeline and Helen, like, oh my God, you know? Madden hell. <laughs> like that scene where they sit down and they talk about uh, their feelings. That was us when we finally reached across and like started talking. I was like, well, I felt like underappreciated by you. And then you're like, well, you always act like you're better than me. You know, like uh, those weren't the exact words,
1: but I mean, that's perfect. But are we going to we, we we can't talk about that too long, because I think we're going to start arguing over who's the Meryl and who's the Goldie.
0: Oh, my God. I think we probably did argue about that when I made the <laughs> reference, because I said you were Goldie
1: and you were like, I'll take Wait. it. I'll take Goldie. That's fine. That's fine. It that means I get Kurt Russell.
0: OK, that's fine. I, I who is Mer- Merrill married to? I don't remember, but um, something gummer. I know know. but I love you you're we're like brothers and I'm so happy that I think "Mm," the photo we took with Seisberger, where you're doing this and I'm doing this I think was absolutely (laughs) perfect but um I think you know you'll be hanging around a little bit more I think we're like mom and dad getting back together after a (laughs) separation
1: testing the waters dipping a toe in the pool to make sure the water's nice
0: Oh my God, but you look so great. Oh, thanks. I'm well-rested
1: today. You know, we're <laughs> doing this, <laughs> we're doing this in the morning, which is always preferable for me because I haven't been smoking pounds of marijuana and drinking tons of coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm almost there on the coffee with you, but like, I feel like there's so much I want to tell you, like there was so much that happened. First of all, I love the Dodsons. The-
1: I, I literally, I, I seeped into your subconscious. <laughs> like you missed me so much that you had to like start looking for me in in things, and it mu- you, you you found me. And the
0: somewhat chubby, similar faces of the oh Dodson's artwork. It's, I, so I used to say, what do I used to call them? Bloated Saturday morning cartoon shows. And then I was on a subway platform. I forgot what what, what, what the context was, but I was like, I'm really in the mood to see like Dodson art. And I probably was thinking of you, by the way, for the record, I probably was thinking about you. And I was like, oh, and he liked the Dodson's. And I'm like, but actually, the Dodson's are like really great. So now but I'm obsessed like, like, with
1: the Dodsons. But like you're not wrong when you call them bloated Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> characters. Like they kind of are that, but like that's kind of like it for me. You know what I mean? That's kind of like what I love about it. We got Dodson Emma peeking. There she is. Oh
0: my god, she looks so great. See, I love that. Like, I'm gonna go back to your uh, Dallas. I and steal that. Sorry, no. I, I remember when we first did Generations of X, we were like, let's keep our locations incognito, but like. Thing everyone knows who.
1: i live in texas okay <laughs> i wanted to keep that a secret for a very good reason
0: um i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna steal it um because i'm also <laughs> framing stuff and i am so happy and i have a geek room now because you encouraged it by the way like I my crazy my my ex-boyfriend told me to do a geek room analogy of course I mean,
1: look, look, your, your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <My> ex-boyfriend. <laughs> uh, that's your, ooh, that's a really good pitch for a comic. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> but no, it. you have like so much wonderful geek stuff. You have Gambit and Rogue. You have that incredible like who's who of the Marvel Universe poster that I think you're finally getting framed.
0: You I have... did, I took it to the framer. I took it to the framer, I took it, it to took the, took the framer. The framer. Alexis, I took it to the framer and they <laughs> gave me a discount because they, they said, Is this the original 1988? And I said,
1: Yes. I love it. I love it. And like your Moira Rose was actually very good. I People know. try
0: and, and varying degrees of success, but that was Thank actually you. Good. It's because the unanimous energy on the Zoom is just bump a lady with anticipation. <laughs> or,
1: or maybe right. you just kind of <laughs> are Moira Rose. <laughs> like I could see that for you. I could see
0: that for you. You're totally a David and a Stevie. You're David and Stevie.
1: You have statues and all these legends. You have the fucking white Phoenix, okay? And like, you didn't have these wonderful things on display and like, no, there's just no good reason for dark, or not for dark Phoenix, dark Phoenix can go in the bin. but white Phoenix, she
0: belongs on the shelf. I know, Mm, thank you. I'm so glad you finally came to the white hot light. I mean, look, I've I, I maybe it's it's
1: me missing you, but like my views on Jean have like really evolved over the last like six months or so. Like, I don't know, she's an acceptable X Men character now.
0: <laughs> well, I think you're gonna be surprised by some of my opinions today because I think they stem from just missing you, and it's so funny because I want to know everything that's like been happening with your geekdom. In, like, the last, like, couple months. But, like, every time I read a comic, I'm like, oh, Flink would like this. Like, this part, Flink is going to love. Especially when I was reading X Factor.
1: I mean, we'll see if
0: you're right. (laughs) But wait, 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 wait. Tell me, what has been going on with you? Like, I know you got married and, like, your best friend was, like, a Jedi master.
1: Yeah, man. So, uh, me and Kenny did get married. Um, it was a surprise ceremony for like 15 of our closest friends and family fully vaccinated. Cause it was still, um, it was early May. So it was still kind of that scary time. I mean, it should still be a scary time, but maybe, maybe less scary. Um, so yeah, we just, uh, we told everybody that we were having a, a housewarming party and, uh, about halfway through, we just sort of, flipped the script on them and uh, had my best friend Mackie who was in town from Connecticut. Um, she was certified by the Universal universallifechurch.com. Oh. Uh, shout out to ULC. Um, but they had a feature where you could upgrade your uh, certification to be a certified Jedi Knight minister. And I'm just like, fuck. Yeah fuck yeah so like without giving her really any choice i went on uh ebay and bought her like this super authentic like jedi knight robe and cloak and it was just it was beautiful it was perfect i mean we've the we've been engaged for forever so it was like it was time it was time and uh married life you know it it was it felt different for like 2 weeks and now mm-hmm. it's kind of a uh, just back to the way it was, but the way it was was great. So i uh, thrilled, thrilled, could not
0: be happier. Bitch, I love that you're like, oh, I'm throwing a housewarming party. LOL, I'm walking down the aisle. Like JK, JK! Comes- and then like fucking Maggie in her Jedi robes. The photos look beautiful and look, I had a small wedding too. It's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect.
1: I can't, you you understand because you sort of had that, that uh, I almost want to say you had like a, I want to say like a rogue wedding, but that's not the right word.
0: No, it was like the rogue wedding from like Gossip Girl right in front of the fountain in Central Park. And like, we all came running downstairs. Yeah. Just something really, that's the best way to do it.
1: It is. It is like, you know, we did have a nice dinner afterwards. I know you did too. So like you get to spend some money on that, but like the ceremony, you don't have to like have this big to do with all these coordinating outfits and everybody has a role to play. Like, no, it, 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 it when you pair it back like that, it kind of really just becomes about you and your partner, which is kind of what a wedding should be all about anyway.
0: I did not stress one minute on poor my King wedding. My, oh, poor guy. Well, Jeff, I think did, cause it was going to rain. I mean, we already talked about how we probably married the same similar type of person, but... I, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so. I think so. Like you and I have so much in common and Jeff and Kenny have so much in common. And like, I feel like if we ever got the four of us together, it would just be like, it would either be like incredibly harmonious or it would be just like a total shit show.
0: (laughs) uh well you guys have to come and visit but um... oh
1: definitely you know as soon as we feel a little bit more comfortable getting on a plane like we'll be there and i just have to say if hasbro ever contacts you for like one of those like secret marvel legends drops like if you're going to be the one to announce the excalibur box set or something bitch i'm on a plane i'm on a oh. bus i'm in the yeah. car I'm coming to see that Rachel Summers figure in person. Okay. You don't, you're not, you don't get to invite me. I'm just telling you.
0: No, first of all, the door is always open for something like that. And let's see, let's see, let's see. I mean, I would love it. Um, I mean, aside from,
1: you know, getting married, just like in the nerd world, you know, I'm still just reading a ton of comic books and staying nerdy. Um, I definitely want to recommend, I watched, all of Star Trek Discovery. I got, like, a, a free week trial of Paramount Plus nice. for, for Drag Race All-Stars, and I was like, well, let's let's check out Star Trek Discovery, and I am obsessed. Oh like, my God. Obsessed. You're, like, it's, the
0: second person to talk to me about Star Trek within 24 hours.
1: It's so queer. Like, it is the gayest Star Trek ever. Like, I oh. love it. Like, you, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, I spent basically all of quarantine watching all like the nineties Star Trek shows. And now I'm like, like raving about Star Trek discovery. And I'm like kind of sitting here just like, am I a fucking Trekkie? Oh my God, you are a Trekkie. This is new. This is new. And like
0: Trekkies are the
1: ones that people kind of judge. So I I, I feel a little hesitant to embrace the the title, but I'm gonna, gonna I'm a Trekkie bitch. I'm a Trekkie
0: embrace it you're gonna own what it means to be a trekkie and you're gonna redefine it i mean first of all like a like i've been into your geek room when it was still under construction like you yeah, <laughs> have great taste it's very sleek. um so yeah embrace your inner trekkie i've never it's just like it's never spoken to me i think we talked about this once before like i had one of the figures growing up she was a redhead and i got it because she reminded me who was she everly crusher because she reminded me of Dr. Kimberly Shaw, AKA Marsha Cross. From a.k.a. Those a.k.a. Those Brie
1: a.k.a. No. AKA Brie Vandekamp, AKA Brie Hodge, AKA didn't she get married a third time? I don't remember.
0: I forgot who she got married to. I always think of that ending when she becomes like a Senator in Alabama. I'm like, not with her history, but anyways, we digress. Um, but um, yeah, you know what? I'll, I will take that recommendation because you know what you also did in quarantine or at least when we were broken up, you watched Battlestar Galactica, bitch. I did. I did. And I know it didn't dive with you. I know I it didn't dive with it. you. I know. I Shocker. It. Oh my God. Shocker. What do you okay. have President Laura Roslin? I mean,
1: she, okay, look, if there was a character I liked, she was probably the, like, I, uh, first of all, the reason I didn't like it is because I didn't like anybody. Like, every single oh. character on that show is selfish, shady, <laughs> and, like, makes terrible, terrible, terrible choices. Like, anytime they're faced with any situation, they're going to make the wrong choice. It's, like, guaranteed. And, like... You have to have somebody with some degree of likability or else, like, what are you doing there? I don't know. It didn't do it for me. I thought that it was going to. Like, I was really into, like, the first, the first, the miniseries I really liked. The first season was okay. But then when it started to, like, shift into, like, the five and, like, oh, this whole secret Cylon society, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. It I not
0: it was. It, it was went a off the rails. Of season a little. three. I agree with. that. I agree wholeheartedly with that.
1: But I mean, what? Like, let's be honest. Who am who am I to speak on the on the quality of anything when I have spent the last like two months of my life watching newer seasons of Power Rangers, which yeah. you know they, they're they're, it's okay. they're it's okay. It's okay. I mean, okay. look. You're I feel like as you're somebody Rangers. who grew up on Power Rangers, like I have a free pass to always like Power Rangers. So like when Kenny walks in and I'm watching some like super cheesy scene where they're learning some like stupid life lesson that's super obvious to me as an adult, I don't I don't have to feel like bad about it. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I was eight years old when Power Rangers came out and it's kind of like Xanax now. It just calms me down, <laughs> you know? No,
0: you're right. It's like, that. I, I YouTube- Uh, power ranger clips all the time i just the other day again we're always on the same like wavelength i saw the clip where jason like came back and he like flips a coin and goes all the way in the air and he morphs and i was like oh and then the original rangers come through a portal and i'm like does that mean in canon that kimberly hart still has her pterodactyl powers I don't know. I don't think they've answered this because I did go on Wikipedia and I could not find an answer. I I don't
1: know. Well, I mean, my God, Boom Studios has like completely expanded the Power Rangers mythology in the comics. And I am not caught up on those, but I know that not either. But I love them. They were really good. I love that they have worked hard to like it hasn't like undone anything that the TV show did. Because the TV Mm -hmm. show never, you know, it never really went anywhere plot wise, but it like gave this vast mythology to these episodes and these villains and these characters that were so simplistic before. So I really love what I've read of the boom books. um, I need to catch up up for sure. And I do want to say before we before we jump off of Power Rangers, if any of our listeners have any recommendations for seasons of Power Rangers, I am I'm open, there's so many oh. at this point. And uh, I've watched all the classics um, through Lightspeed Rescue. So anything after like the year 2000, let me know what's good. Cause I know they, not, they, they all are not good. So yeah. let me know
0: people. Um, I don't remember, I, I read the Boom like books and I obviously remembered like Dark Tommy and like that entire dystopian future. And then like, I think they did the Morphin Grid like which was their big crossover. I'm forgetting but i'm i i've definitely been feeling the power rangers energy especially with hasbro just knocking them out and like oh my god i want the trini i want the trini figure
1: i i mean i, I have the 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 first release of trini i think they're doing an, no 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 they're finally releasing they're releasing two versions of aisha which is great but like why one trini and two
0: aishas i don't know it's fine i love them both wait so any other geek stuff since we last spoke anything else i mean your room looks incredible i'm seeing all the frames
1: you need to do a uh, photo no, I mean there. nothing. Nothing too major outside of that. I mean, like I said, I just spend a lot of time watching nerdy shows, reading comic books, surrounded. You know, my I work from home four days a week, so I'm surrounded by action figures and comic book art all the time. So literally, I just spend my whole life surrounded by by my nerddom at this point, and I I sure as shit wouldn't
0: want it any other way. Oh my God. Well, I'm jealous. Cause you have a huge nerd space with like windows and like, a, a we just ordered a desk. I'm so excited. We finally got a desk and a chair, like a really nice chair. I don't have to use this like old Jonathan Antler chair that I got back in a sample sale that I had to fight Bethany Frankel for, but, um, <laughs> I'm just so excited like for it to be set up, but it's still like, it's New York city, you know, like we're, we're in a small space in our Hoboken yeah. apartment and there's no windows, but, um, I want you to come by and see it eventually because it is really nice. Maybe when we do a reveal or something like I don't know. Like, Absolutely, I mean, look, you.
1: Awesome. I- anytime you have some sort of big news mm-hmm. to, to break on the podcast, you just let me know. You're I've like got, bitch, not- got lots of you know, frequent flyer miles logged f- from, from like three years ago that I need to use. So. I love
0: how you're like, I wouldn't get on a plane just to see you because we're still trying to figure out flying, but for Rachel Summers. For Rachel fucking, <laughs> for Summers. fucking Summers. I'm there.
1: I mean, no, it's for you too. Hair flip,
0: hair, flip, hair nice. flip. Wait, so come on, Rain of X so far, because we did the Rain of X teaser. Like yes. we broke that teaser down. We did. What did you, what have you thought about Reign of X thus far?
1: Well, I think it's been really good. I like that, you know, we have these clear, you know, defined eras within the overall Krakoan-like era. Um, You know, we had the Dawn of X where everything was getting set up, you know, then Ten of Swords, which we have, covered. All right. We don't need to cover that. And then I think Uh kind of like moving into like, where is the society going? How is the society viewed by the world at large? Uh, I think it's been really interesting. I think it's been um, really sort of eye opening to see, you know, how the different factions of of humanity is is responding to, you know, mutants ascending to being the most powerful, you know, society on, on the planet. And I think that um, having these like specific eras where we're exploring specific different concepts like that has really upped the quality of the books, in my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, it's not like it's a crossover where every, you know, one title leads into the next, but it it has a cohesion and an overall, you know, overarching story idea that, that makes the X books feel more... I want to say real kind of than, than they have in like a really long time. Um, And, you know, speaking on, you know, specific titles, um, you know, I'm still really enjoying Marauders. You know, I thought that X-Corps had a really strong debut. Um, Of course, Vita's New Mutants um, seems to be slowly building to something that I'm super interested in.
0: Uh, What else?
1: Excalibur has greatly improved, I think. I think it-
0: I agree so, since 10 of swords Excalibur has gotten so good so good. Yeah. And I've said this like I think Tini Howard's a great writer. I think some of these books they just had to get like the engine going and let yes. them go where they needed to go. And and we'll talk about this with X-Factor obviously. I feel like also sometimes you walk into these books as an X-fan with insane expectations. No. Oh, really never never. Have... But like I've Excalibur is one of those books when people are like, I was talking with Imperius Rex and they're like, it's such a hard book to get into, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about it. And I was like, listen, it's one of those titles that you just have to go along with the ride. You know, I know it's Arthurian legend mixed in with a lot more stuff, but accept it for what it is. And once you get past 10 of swords, it gets so good. And and also Hickman got really good too. And I always say this because I think Teeny Howard and Hickman together they, they're such a great combo to yeah. write. Like Empire issue one is probably one of my favorite <laughs> books I've read in a while. Yeah. And of course it deals with the Pretender, raising, you know, the genotion dead, but it backfires Pretender, on there.
1: Pretender, Pretender.
0: Oh, we're going to get into that in such great detail. But I, I'm so excited that you said that because I have felt like since they came, both writers, Hickman and Howard came out of Ten of Swords. They have improved so much with their own writing and their own books.
1: And I totally, I totally agree with that. I do think that it's kind of a shame though, that it took, that we had to get to 10 of swords for that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they- <laughs>
0: I thought you were gonna say it's kind of a shame that we weren't talking.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a shame that we weren't talking. We could have really <laughs> explored happened. these these fields on a much deeper level now. But, oh, yeah. but like, it feels like they had to put the stories they wanted, especially Excalibur, Felt like it had to put the story it wanted to tell in a holding pattern to wait for Ten of Swords, which then, you know, in hindsight, I like it a lot more than I did reading it week to week and being like, why are we still at this fucking dinner party? But I, it, once Agreed. we got past that, it really started accelerating and like we finally got to tell, OK, here's why, you know, Clan Akaba or Akaba or whatever, the Apocalypse Witch Clan, like here's why they're involved. Here's why you know, Apocalypse didn't feel right in the early issues of Excalibur. Like, you had to have that context for it to make sense. And I wish that Marvel would have, you know, not saved that just for a crossover so that the first, like, five or six issues of Excalibur were kind of nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wish they would have let us have peeled the curtain back a little bit rather than just saving all of it for the crossover.
0: Well, I think... Yeah, to what I think you're saying is I wish Howard would have just hit the ground running with certain characters and focus it more on them than doing all this insane world building. But yeah. like you had to do a lot of that world building in order to get to Ten of Swords. I get it. I, I We're on the same page. Uh, shockingly, we agree on that.
1: Shockingly. Well, shockingly, here, here's one that I don't know that you'll agree with. You may, you may not. I don't know. We'll see. But I have to tell you, I'm kind of over X Force. Like, oh, I've
0: been over X Force for such a long time. Like, I used to be into it. It. I, it was, no, bitch, remember when we first started talking about the dawn of X Books? And I was like, X Force is the best book ever. And you're like, no, it's not. It's Marauders. And you were right. Of course I was. Right. Of course. No, right. well, I think. But I was a fan of X Force.
1: I was I I remember enjoying the early issues more than I thought I was going to but like it's taking way too long to like catch up on on plot points that have been like is Colossus in this book? Like is he really in this book? He was on the cover to number 1, he's been on the cover to a couple here and there. He's made a few appearances. We know Mikhail is is involved, but like what? Wait, it, then if all of that is what is really at play here, then why has this turned into like a Quentin choir solo book?
0: Like, I know. Like I, I couldn't agree more with you. And then just to further establish that beast is a shady motherfucker. Okay. We knew all this. Thank you. Next. Let's move on. You right. know? And, like,
1: and, and to make matters worse, like I like Quentin choir. All right. He was, you know, he's a Morrison. He is the quintessential Morrison creation. So of course see, I love quintessential. him. oh i've missed you but like his this this it doesn't feel like having him be such an integral part of the x-men and having him like wanting to be a part of this society and not being like the rebel and the one who is like getting this like superhero costume and being a team player like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel genuine to me and like I don't like that costume either. Like, I don't think, number one, Jumbo Carnation would never design something so basic. And number two, Quentin would never agree to wear it. Where's the plaid? Where are the spikes? Where are the pins? Like, where is the character?
0: I don't know. You know, like, Quentin was one of those characters that, look, I don't hate him. I really do like him. I like him as, I love him during Morrison's era. You know, I remember feeling so displaced as a stand when he came back during, um phoenix end song and i was just like why did that happen like that you know what i mean like i just don't really i don't get why they would have brought in that back without like any context and then we had war song and then finally just came back and like and that was like how it was and he was just back so um i think during battle of the atom is when i started kind of like picking up with him again and was thinking like oh okay like this is a character who has a lot going for him and um I don't know, you know, like, X-Force hasn't done much for me in that regard, but, like, whatever. I, It's one of those books that, like, I just, like, I read it on, like, autopilot.
1: Yep. And that's it. Same, same. And that's a shame, because it has really cool art. Mm-hmm. The art is is detailed and interesting, but... Oh, it's beautiful art. Right. The story yeah. just isn't... It's not doing anything for me. Okay, but I want your feels on Hellions. <sighs> so... <laughs> oh, my God! I have complicated feelings on Hellions. Wait, wait, wait. I,
0: wait, wait, wait. I, eject, eject. Where's the eject button here? I, I,
1: I know, I'm sorry. It's I'm enjoying it overall. I I thought the arcade arc was a little much. It was a little much. It was a little dark. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't it it didn't feel right to me. Like I didn't I just couldn't get into it. But I love the cast. I love, uh, you know, the, the shady Psylocke and Sinister side deals, even though I'm, I'm, I'm over flamboyant Sinister at this point. I think we've, we've we kind of covered that in the past. I, 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 I want to meet in the middle on Sinister yeah. at this point. And maybe that's and where we're going. We have two I Sinisters know. now. So.
0: Yeah, maybe that's exactly where we're going to be. I need a little bit more context for Sinister and, and, and his history and everything. I, I need to know more. I, it's all over the place for me. I don't, I've read it. I, I yeah. can regurgitate it, but for me, I'm not connecting any dots here. Right. Like I need someone to just sit down and be like, here's a definitive history on Sinister Hour. and And right. so I agree with you.
1: And like, and the thing is, is like right now, you know, plug for for the Mutant Minutes book club, we're reading the original Inferno and mm-hmm. that is his first appearance. And he is this like scary dude with these gnarly teeth, barking mm-hmm. orders at the marauders. And these are like the fiercest mutant murderers on the planet and they're scared of sinister and like now he's become something of a joke and i just it's gone too far like it was it was it was fun when it was kieran gillen and it was new and it was different and he was this victorian dandy but he still had that sinister scientist like it was just leaned even more into like the darwinism angle um, you know, by giving him that sort of personality, but it's just so campy now that it doesn't it doesn't work. He peaked. Well, he peaked when with, with the the cape scene in Ten of Swords for me. I
0: think the cape scene, the cape joke has been done to death. People love it, and I think it's great. And like you know, have so at it. it now. But but I think like let's move on. I agree with what you said because I think the way Hickman wrote him in Secret Wars when they were having when it was um, Jamie battling or Brian battling, oh my God, I'm forgetting who he was fighting. But he was fighting someone, and Sinister's just there ca- on the throne like that, and he's flamboyant over the top, but he's creepy. Right. You know, like, now it's a little bit more of a gag. But, like, maybe that's the point now? I don't know. We've talked about it. We, we've we wanted creepy genetic, like, gen- geneticist Sinister back for, like, a minute now. Um, yeah. But I think, look, Nanny... When she, like, breaks that bottle and she's like, here comes the Armageddon, like, too sinister. I
1: was going to say. hysterical. The hell, and we'll talk about Hellfire Gala, I'm sure. But the Hellfire Gala issue of Hellions is probably my favorite issue of the series thus far.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Well, who was standing in the background when someone was talking about Madeline?
1: I don't know. I missed it. <laughs>
0: oh my god! So havoc. Wait. So havoc is talking to Magneto about yeah. Madeline, and in the background, Mystique is listening, sipping Ooh. her prosecco. Yeah. Okay. So... Shout out to Nerd Alert who actually brought that to my attention initially. Ah. Oh. Okay. Because and wait, I... and, what, and what and what is Mystique going to be doing this fall?
1: She's going to be igniting the inferno, baby.
0: Yeah. So um. I don't know. I'm really excited. I, I agree. That was that was probably my favorite issue as well. I wholeheartedly, was probably my favorite issue. I think I like the X Men Marauders issue as well. I, you know, I'm gonna say like Sword as well. You know, Sword is one of my favorite books. And I and of course when that bitch descended down from the staircase. And by the way, and someone like asked Jordan D White like, oh well, she wasn't wearing a plan. And then like I I'm getting this information secondhand. So. Folks listening at home, I'm sorry. Do not do not quote me verbatim here. But like apparently Jordan D. White, and this was Alex Tucker, who I just met with like a couple of days ago, who is part of the Power of X Men community, uh, was telling me that Jordan D. White gave an interview and they pointed out that Wanda wasn't wearing a flower when she came through the gate, and apparently that was purposeful. And I think the reasoning Jordan D. White gave in that interview, which I really this is where I kind of like don't agree with it, but that it's fine but that Cerebro would have recognized her as a mutant because in the past she was a mutant, she was seen as a mutant. But I was like, well, first of all, Cerebro isn't controlling the gates, it's Krakoa, to my understanding. And then secondly, like, yeah, that may be true if someone like, oh, I don't know, like Game Master, like is no longer mutant, like LOL, we forgot to update the Cerebro files, but like, I'm sorry the Scarlet Witch decimates like your entire mutant population. You're calling her the pretender. I would just go up into Cerebro and update the file a little bit. I'd, I'd update uh, that Wikipedia entry in Cerebro. And just right. be like, you know, not allowed, uh, people who are not allowed on Krakoa, to off, You know right. what I mean?
1: Like I would have the the facial recognition turn on my, my Krakoan Nest camera to like oh. red alert. Where the fuck is Sage? Come on Sage, aren't you what? monitoring this shit?
0: sage doug x-force like i i don't like aren't they supposed to be monitoring these threats in the it's fine listen i get it they're the here's the one thing i've had to learn and kind of grapple with not having you around and like talking like they're in the infancy as a nation like if we if this if you're telling me 60 years from now the x-men are still gonna be on kakawa this is their thing this isn't going to be recon like five years later. It's not going to be like Wolverine and the X-Men or Utopia thing. Like, this is it. This is what we are doing with the X-Men. Fine. They're a baby nation. They're figuring things out. Everyone's busy. They're you're know, st- trying to establish themselves as a major power, not only on Earth, but the entire galaxy. Like, it's fine. Things, shit's going to happen. Yeah. But like, if if this is going to get recon in five years, I mean, she's going to pull out every receipt and be like, I'm sorry, then you should have done A, B, and C.
1: Like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it, mm-hmm. I, I, that that just kind of goes back to X-Force, you know, like, mm-hmm. even outside of their own book, what are they doing? They're not doing mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be doing, so, like, just, I don't know.
0: Well, you have to saw this. Uh, so, wait, we got, what, oh, 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 my God, one of wait, wait, so we did Sword, we did um, X-Force, we've done X, how, how do you feel about X-Men, the main title so far?
1: What is even happening in X-Men right now? <laughs> Um, listen I'm enjoying it but the fact that I can't off the top of my head even like tell you what happened in like the non-hellfire gala issues of of x-men kind of says where that book is for me you know what I mean yeah. like it
0: the way it's it establishing exists... the mystique destiny story I believe that was the last issue where okay they, which they, is fantastic the Inferno promo.
1: yeah which is fantastic I love that but the thing That has always and like I said, this has always been the case for 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 the Hickman X-Men book. It just the stand the the, how standalone it is doesn't it doesn't seep into my brain and I don't find myself sink like thinking about it as much as I think about the others that have like their ongoing narratives. Like I'll read in the issue of X-Men, it'll be standalone. It won't give me necessarily anything to think about, so I won't ruminate on that as much. So is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Like when I'm reading it, I enjoy it. I like the direction that it's, it's pushing the line in, but so far as like how I feel about it as a series, it's really just, it's really just only okay. Because I read comics for like the serial storytelling format. And so a string of semi standalone issues that don't exactly, you know, tee up the story for the next one, that, that that isn't my favorite kind of comic book that's not to say it's bad it's just
0: not my favorite
1: does that make sense
0: no that makes perfect sense and like that was as you know that was one of my main grievances with the hickman era i was just so tired of like hickman doing these one-off stories planting all these seeds but was it Sai who told us that it was called claremontine now in the office yes. That's called Claremont now. so they're purposely, and that was like a shift in my perspective in like looking at the Hickman era, because like what they're doing now, they're planting seeds for other writers, be it a month from now or 10 months from now or 10 years from now, another writer can come in and just source that for like a story. So I'm a little bit more forgiving about that because, you know, like I, I agree with you. I love a serialized Storytelling. That's why I fucking love Morrison, for example, and what they did with New X Men. That being said, though, I can forgive this knowing the motive behind it. So it's not like they're just trying to throw things, you know, see what sticks. Yeah. It's like, no, what we're trying to do is make the X. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. And it's coming out organically. So we're trying to make the X Men great again. Oh. Which is, you want to, I know. At Sorry. least you don't have a red hat on. Oh my God, no. Look at the way, I got this new, oh no, I got this hat when I was in Sanibel, when we were talking. Um, but, um, like, I get it. Like, they want to go bring the X-Men back to this very rich world where there's so many questions in the air, and that's what piques the interest of so many fans, especially in the yeah. 90s, you know? That's, sure. So, for fine, sure. How can I ever fault someone for that? But, wait, speaking of Psy... We need to know, like, Way of X. Like, because your girl is in there. My and girl is in there. Your girl's in there. And guys, if you're just listening to this and not seeing it on YouTube, his girl's right behind him. And it's her in the Pride of the X-Men pose, almost. Like, where she's in the danger room. Who's the artist for that?
1: Uh, it's Joe Quinonez, who did the uh, Miss America Chavez series a couple of years ago. He's also done... Uh, some work oh, on Birds of Prey. I'm I'm a huge fan of his, huge fan. And he was doing uh, offering watercolor portraits at a, a small local convention, and I said,
0: "Yes, absolutely. yes, God, I can't wait till conventions are coming back." And folks, the 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 Dazzler that's appearing, the Dazzler Dazzler appearing in Way of X was something that we discovered when we interviewed Farrier. and your face your reaction to that it was like i know well it's so funny because i believe i i'm not gonna speak for you but i I believe in the universe and when we wanted to do generations of x i've never gotten booked in dallas and then during la pandemia like when the (laughs) pandemia was like in full swing i get booked down to go to dallas and then you know we we kind of came back together and we were talking i was like hey by the way you know cy spurrier is going to be on the show i would love to do it with you because i know he's one of your favorite writers yeah and we didn't even like dazzler was just an afterthought when we were brainstorming questions and it was a fucking nuclear bomb that went off when he said that and i was like this is the you know who else would be like who else should i be talking about this with than my my best friend Oh. He just got out of a fight with. And, like, it really,
1: like, you're so right. Like, the synchronicity of that, like... It was so that, weird. P- it was so crazy. And, like, to that point, there had been no indication that that Dazzler was going to be in any way involved in Way of X. And I was only asking about her because I'm a new X-Men nerd and wanted to ask about DJ. And, of course, if we're going to talk about somebody with sound based powers, I'm gonna ask about Dazzler's music. So like, just like the, the
0: train of funny. thought that
1: led us to that, you know, I'm gonna call it the exclusive reveal that Dazzler was gonna be a part of, of Way of X. I mean, we couldn't have scripted that. That was just no, one it of the not- universal moments.
0: Guys, it literally... Was, first of all, it was an exclusive reveal. <laughs> it was billed as such because we didn't know that. Again, there was no indication that Dazzler was going to appear in that book. And right. we went into it. I, I went into it, excuse me, like thinking that Kirk is going to start a mutant religion. And Cy quickly was like, no, it's a mutant culture. Mm. And and who are you going to... If you're going to bring people together, who is the mutant diva? Oh, it's Dazzler. So I mean, it, it's perfect. It's perfect. It and perfect. I'll, I'll say,
1: you know... There's not enough of her so far, but what we have seen, I enjoy, like, I love that she has her regular little gig and she's got her little groupies. Um, And, you know, I love that it's demonstrating for the first time in several years that, you know, she's not this total flop musician who wears bad wigs and can't book gigs. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's a rather terrible... I still don't
0: think she's got in everything she's supposed to, because like in the way of X issue where she's here, like I'm going to be performing at the hellfire gala tonight. I was like, girl, shouldn't you be getting ready? Why are you performing (laughs) in the afternoon? Like you should be doing rehearsal. You should be getting your hair and makeup. Like, and and I really don't believe that Dazzler with the, the positioning of Crickle as a world power would just be, you know, at a bar singing, like maybe she would be for fun. Great. But I think she would be on tour. I think no I one, especially if we're seeing all the mutants at being like celebrities and people, co- you know, congregating by the gates and taking their photos. Like, I would just be like, no, there's fucking Dazzler. Like, she's, right. she's our mutant Gaga, Kylie, Madonna, whatever analogy you want. Um, but she, you know what? We just need her front and center. That's it. I agree. I agree. And, and
1: we need her front and center in the role of a pop star. Yeah. Like, we have plenty of superheroes hanging out on Krakoa. What we need is that, like you said, what we need is that culture. What we need is is a character like Dazzler front and center, not saving the world, just being an amazing, fabulous entertainer. And I think that there's room for that. It should happen. And, you know, I, I'm certainly not encouraged by the fact that, you know, Way of X has already stopped being solicited. Uh, but I hope oh. that we can I, get that here.
0: Well, you know, like onslaught, you know, the revelation, uh, is, is taking its place. I'm hoping it's just that I I really do. I, I haven't seen the comic book numbers in a while. I've wanted to do like comic book numbers and analyze like the comic book industry. But since the, the pandemic, it's been hard to like analyze yeah. numbers and especially with digital taking it's, you know, the lead, I but, don't think they released those. Yeah. But you know what? Like, um, no, well, no, you're right. I don't think they've released, the digitals haven't been released ever, but you, I think someone said it's like almost like 10% of what ships. Like that's sort yeah. of like the number. And that kind of like, I used to work at eBooks at Hachette and that kind of jives. I think books like were 20%. So 10%, I can kind of believe, especially given the comic book market. I'm curious how that shifted with the pandemic though. Right, um, seriously. But, you know, like, I don't know. I'm really, you know, I like way of X quite a bit. I I'm curious Same. to see where it's gonna go. You know, yeah. I, know I, 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 uh, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, there was an interview recently we did with Sina grace and Sina was like, yeah, they called me up when I was doing ice man, like issue two and told me the book had already been canceled. So like, are they getting ahead of that editorially? Because I do think Hickman, and this is something that we've discovered about Hickman as we talk with other people, Hickman is not only a good storyteller, he's a good like comic book, industry professional so i wonder if if hickman's like okay it's not looking good for wave x just in terms of numbers why don't we do this crossover let's rebrand it as like onslaught for the fall and then we bring it back i'm curious i don't i don't know i don't know the answers to that
1: well i think a good indicator of that may be what happens after the trial of magneto because that is i believe it's it's at least Leah Williams coming over from from X Factor. And we know yeah. that X Factor cast is going to be strongly involved in that. So I guess it'll be interesting to see, okay, is, is this just like a temporary pause on X Factor so that we can call it Trial of Magneto, which is obviously going to bring in more readers than just the normal X factor book would, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I, I think that'll be a pretty good indication of, of whether they're just putting the word onslaught on it to sell more issues temporarily and whether it's gonna come back afterwards. I don't know, we'll see. But I will say the one the one one last thing on Dazzler and Way of X, uh, I mean, it's probably the biggest character beat she's had thus far. I, I, I'm here to say that I am pro Dr. Nemesis romance. Really? I am into that. I, okay. I think, I think you know. Aside from uh, a brief flirtation with a, a certain blue-furred narcissist, uh, <laughs> Allie has has usually been all about like the pretty boys. And yeah. uh, I think it. Let's try something different. Let Let's hook sure. her up with with the smartest man on Krakoa for a little while, and, and and see if that can you know broaden her horizons and and position her differently somehow. I'm all for it. I'm all for them trying new things with Dazzler as long as it isn't shaving her head and becoming a goth you know yeah
0: or having Mystique replace her after she was supposed to have a very promising narrative as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent because that would have been absolutely wonderful Dazzler agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. no it's Mystique Soon, and by the way if, if someone by the way wanted to combat mystique in inferno oh i don't know maybe dazzler would be one of those people i mean blast her fucking face off that's it i know like mystique <sighs> like we know psychics can't really work on her so dazzler blast it up come on ellie you did it with hell yeah back during the utopian era yeah like, you can do it hell, hell yeah. yeah oh
1: I mean, look, if, if I'm going to give Greg Land credit for anything ever, it's going to be that, that one panel of, of her surrounded by her rainbow sparkles.
0: It wasn't really Followed cute. by
1: that clear swipe of uh, the Dark Knight Two-Face Psylocke. But it's fine.
0: It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Not it's, fine. It's, great. it's great. Okay, so you may or may not remember that before our schism, I lost a round of trivia and you assigned me uncanny X-Men 153 through 154, which was the storm and Emma body swap. Yes. And I read it. I read it this week in anticipation of us kicking together. And I have to tell you, I wish we hadn't had a falling out because i fucking loved these issues yes, so, it's iconic. It's so good and you knew i didn't read it like like this is like the thing about our friendship guys like like flink just i don't have to tell him anything he knows what i have read and what i haven't read and so like i literally i'm glad i didn't read them a couple of months ago because i've been like wow well, this is really good like i really want to talk to him but <laughs> i read them this week and i was like oh my god this is just so good i mean look i we're I'll dress it here. You know, uh, I don't think a story like this would ever happen again in today's world no. because of what, you know, the implications of a white woman taking a woman of color's body, but that is wrong. It, that's a narrative that's antiquated. It has not aged well. We acknowledge that. But now looking at this story, it's just an X-Men story. Like it's Emma's return, you know, since the dark yeah. Phoenix, they're yeah. sending Kitty away. And by the way, the scene where Kitty's like, Oh, you know, like, I I'm, I intend to visit you every chance I get after the Xavier asked her like, Oh, do we want to send your furniture to Deerfield? And she's like, no, that's of course homaged in astonishing X-Men one, which we just discussed with Blayner things, but it was just one of those like issues that you just read and I couldn't put it down. And it was just campy. It was fun. It was serious, you know what I mean? Like it, it really dealt with some issues of Kitty looking at the X-Men as family being taken away and like being like, well, my parents aren't doing what's right. And Wolverine's like, well, Xavier, why don't you just like mind control them to keep Kitty here? Like you did during the dark Phoenix saga. And Xavier's like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 I no. Do anymore. That anymore, I don't do that anymore. Guys. I'm totally anymore. cool. When is the no onslaught happening here. When it's not convenient for me, I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, But Professor
1: Xavier is a jerk.
0: Oh, my God. I know. God. But like the entire time I was reading this, I'm like, I'm so glad I get to talk to you about it because I thought it was such a great recommendation. Look, I mean, when I put like my over analytical hat on, I'm like, why did Emma switch bodies with Storm? That doesn't make any sense. Like, what was her endgame all along? And they had like this gun that does it. I'm like, why didn't she just psychically do it? You know what I mean? It was... It's, 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 yeah, I, I
1: think you can't think about it that much, you know, yeah. it's like early 80s Claremont ridiculousness, like, I, I that hat is awfully stylish, but take off your over analytical hat <laughs> when you're when you're reading classic Claremont day
0: spring. Um. So it was, I thought it was really fun. I thought the ending was a great battle. You know, it took me a, a second there when, you know storm and emma were having their reconciliation where she's here like the white queen isn't going to say anything because exposing us exposes them as well and i was like what oh i guess mutants aren't at this time mutants are you know still kind of like under the radar but i thought i thought the art was great i thought the writing was it was a fun story that's what it was it was just pure fun and i want to thank you for giving that to me
1: of course. And you know, I recommended that because obviously, Emma, lover, um, huge, huge fan. So that is one of like her early, big stories. Um, so I definitely wanted you to 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 check it out. But that story, I feel like is one of those iconic, like it's like a subtly iconic X-Men story, because we know that Emma and Storm have this, this history. And a lot of it is based off of what happened in that story but because it's sandwiched between you know the dark phoenix saga and days of future past and the brood saga and like all of that it's it's just surrounded by all of these super iconic x-men stories that it really doesn't get brought up too often but if you're a fan of emma or you're a fan of storm or you're a fan of kitty this is a really important defining story for all three of those characters. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's it, it's one that, you know, especially us gay boys, um, we love those characters. Uh, it, it's one that I think is, is critical to, I don't know, I'm going off the rails here, but- No,
0: no, I, no, I know what you're saying. It's critical to the canon of the relationship because we yes. still see the effects of what happened in the story, as you were saying later on in the book. Not only that, in this book, it establishes that Storm, who is a powerful goddess who no one victimizes her ever since childhood, she yeah. says point blank, I have never felt that much of a victim. Then when I was at the mercy of the White Queen, when she stripped me and put me in a cage, that comes up again in Astonishing X-Men. It comes with Kitty and her. It comes up again in um, when Mark Wade did Astonishing X-Men and Storm and her buttheads. It came up in Giant Size X-Men. So, yeah, and you I know, mean- it, it, it has major ramifications. It is a pivotal story and you should read it. People need to read this because it establishes that friction.
1: And I know that you're such a big fan of extreme X-Men uh, in particular. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. for as cheesy and as campy as it is, it's still a lot of fun to read. Yeah. And there is that issue with Storm and Emma that, is, that that greatly follows up on this. And I think, you know, if you went back and you reread that ish, that particular issue of extreme X-Men now with the context of the body swap, I think you would you would enjoy it so much more.
0: Well, no, and and she says it. Storm in that extreme X Men series. I'm forgetting what issue it was, but when she is thinking about going back to the mansion because her shit was going down, she tells Wolverine, "She goes, why can she get under my skin?" In reference to Emma, she's the only one who can really get under my skin, and references these things. So yep. this was this was perfect. Thank you. I wasn't going to give you a pixie strikes back review. <laughs> <laughs> I Which, mean,
1: look. Pixie Strikes Back. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. I enjoy it. You hate it. That's fine. But this this set of two issues, I think, is perfect for anyone who is a fan of Emma, Storm, or Kitty, uh, or just classic X-Men stories. It doesn't get any more classic than that era, and it's just a lot of fun, and I'm really glad you enjoyed it.
0: I knew you would. I knew. You just know me so well. Guys, this bitch can read me. She can read me so well. I I just have to use the
1: focus totality of my telepathic powers and just boop, gotcha.
0: right there. And that's actually, it's so funny you even said that because that's what it said there in these issues where Storm is in Emma's body. And she's here like, I can't keep all these voices out. And she flashes back to a scene with her and Jean. And she's here like, Jean, you read my mind without, you know, my consent. And Jean's like, no, listen, I'm sorry. It's just, if I don't focus, if I don't use the whole totality of my psychic powers to keep people at bay, I'm going to hear something and I'm going to think you actually said it. And I just thought those little nuances, it is essential X-Men read. You got to read these guys. And of course, everybody thought
1: Jean was actually dead at that point. So that was a really like little heartfelt scene of her remembering her dead best friend. I'm like, oh.
0: Well, speaking of dead and being slayed, now it's time for you to be on the other end of trivia. I know, but look. look. I'm focusing my totality. Listen, yes, look, I love that. (laughs) My God, let me see your shirt. Is that an Art of Lucas shirt?
1: It sure is. Welcome to Die. With the white queen.
0: Oh my, it's so cute. I love it. Oh my God. You know, I mean, I've grown to love Pride of the X-Men so much in the... In, in the, since we did the Larry Houston interview oh, yeah. I love that so much and I mean, of course the arcade
1: so- game which I have to plug Arcade 1-Up is releasing the mock arcade cabinet four player mm-hmm. mock arcade cabinet for the X-Men arcade game on July 15th go to arcade1up.com sign up for the notifications because I know that shit's going to sell out like boop
0: Boop, like, like that. Like an SDCC
1: exclusive.
0: Oh my God. I mean, I'm definitely, I don't know where we're going to be able to fit it, but I definitely want it.
1: It's going in the barn <laughs> for me. I already told game. Kenny, I said, <laughs> you know, next to the lawnmower is going to be the X Men arcade game, and you're going to find me out there not mowing the lawn, playing the arcade. I love
0: that. But anyways, stop it, stop. Speaking of games and being slayed and everything and you're focusing your totality, you are getting some trivia, bitch. And because like we haven't spoken in a while, I made this like really ridiculously easy. Oh. Okay, name every X-Man in alphabetical order. Just joking.
1: (laughs) How much time do we have? Is this an extra special giant size, planet size
0: episode? Is a planet sized episode. No, okay, oh my wait. God. All right, all right, your first question. This is so easy. So, you know, originally with X Factor, they wanted to unite all of the original X Men, but Gene mm-hmm. was dead. Who were they gonna use before it was decided they would bring Gene Gray back?
1: Who were Why, they gonna of use? Of course, it was the one and only
0: Dazzler yes, ding ding, ding, ding ding. You got that right? You got one point. And uh, guys at home, I know it's been a while since you've heard us do trivia. You know, every I'm going to ask Flink a couple of questions. He needs to get at least three points, and you know, if he wins, he has to recommend a book for me, and if I, if he loses, I recommend a book for him, and then we read it and we discuss our feels. OK? So our next question is name one character that made their first appearance in the original x-factor run boom boom oh there you go well no 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 wait she... oh no shit. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> she was secret wars too because we read it remember when we had a segment called okay boomer yes it's okay. i do i it's failed okay. It's okay, okay. Womp, womp womp. But she womp. hung out with that
1: crew, and I just wanted to. give her
0: love. Ugh. Uh, okay. We fire. need to. She needs some love, especially after that hellfire gala mini. I <sighs> listen, 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 BB. Um, apocalypse. I mean, I mean, listen.
1: I could have. There's so many frenzy. Like, what's wrong, what
0: the fuck is wrong with me, what? Okay, 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 here's another one. Reset, reset. Reset, reset, look, you still got two more. You got two more, you got two more. What is Strong Guy's real name? Guido Caracella. Boom, ding, 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 ding. All right, there you go. Okay, this next one. This one's so easy, you're gonna get it, I promise you. I'm not you. thought you. that about the last, well, I did
1: get the last one, but the one before that.
0: True or false? Mystique was once a member of X Factor. True! There! That's it! There was no there was no, no hidden agenda with that question. I'm e- like, e- like e- wait e- a minute. E- I know. Okay, I, I know I
1: got three right, but I, I, and I, I, won. I won. I'm a winner, baby, but I want winner, to ask baby. the last
0: one. That was it. I knew you were going to get them all. I didn't even make a fifth one. You didn't? No, I didn't. I knew oh, you were okay. going to well, get it. I, I love that you have such faith in me, but you didn't have you a too little much, I didn't get them me. Oh, don't. Oh, BB, Don't get don't get me wrong, right, guys. The way we used to do this, we designed these questions so the other could lose. And we are just being welcoming back our yeah. ex, our ex-boyfriend. Yeah. This is part of our,
1: <laughs> our mediation, I think. Yeah,
0: this is what the therapist told us. Like, I can just picture Jeff and Kenny being like, just, just BPC, guys. Just BPC. This, is, this oh. is what
1: Doc Samson advised when I went to him for a, a checkup.
0: Oh, you see, Doc Samson, sorry for you. I got Dr. Reyes.
1: Well, say, good for uh, you. <laughs> oh, I um, guess that means it's now up to me.
0: No, think of something to recommend.
1: Okay. Do you want me to come up with it now or do I have a little time?
0: Why don't you have a little bit of time and we'll announce it next time? Okay. Next time.
1: Okay. Because I didn't. Because there's going to be I, a
0: next time. I, be I, while, I have some
1: ideas, but I kind of want, I kind of like one of them I know you've read. And I kind of like this thing where I force you to read things you haven't read. <laughs>
0: So well, I'm gonna. I'm and gonna. And I'll let you know about. what it. I'll, I'll let you know what I haven't read either. And I'm trying to read a lot of stuff again. There are just holes in my. And it, 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 I've read the summaries, of course, and I've read yeah. the uncanny stuff, as many of us have. But there are a lot of holes in things that I haven't fully read. But okay, so listen, why are we here today, Flink? Because we're going to be talking about X Factor, and it is a book that I know you're crazy about. In oh, the yes. Dawn of X. It's wrapping its run, and we have a lot of feels on it. A and just lot. to give uh, some people listening at home some context, you know, it's by Leo Williams and Dave Badion. And it's, it was a book that was positioned as being the go-to book for everything you're thinking or have questions about with Resurrection. And it has a really great, interesting cast. I think Leah Williams is a writer I really liked beforehand. I don't remember how you felt about Leah beforehand. I think you liked her because mm-hmm. I loved, I loved uh, the X Men Black Emma Frost. Yes. Age of X Men was a shitty fucking crossover. I have no qualm saying that. But I think her tie in, The Extremist, was really, yep. really well done. I, I remember reading my like, mind, man. I, I mean, like always, I just thought like it was a really well done book. And she did also, I haven't read it, but The Amazing Mary Jane.
1: Yeah, I I haven't read Mary Jane, but of course I've read those others. And The Extremist was absolutely the shining star of uh, The Age of X-Men. And it, it actually got referenced in X-Factor. So that was nice to have yep. like the one good thing about that crossover actually
0: rear its head somewhere. I really don't remember what happened in Age of X-Men, to be very clear. <laughs> I mean, I have vague memories of it, but like, I mean it's one of those crossovers that I think they were just twiddling their thumbs on oh, it was clear
1: to, two issues to into Tiffman. anything that it was just killing time before whatever was coming next, which what came next was fantastic, but
0: gosh. Um, we were and also our killing our boy Nate's reputation because that's the last thing people remember. And Nate's such a great character and deserves so much more.
1: And we all thought that, that was gonna be such a huge, wonderful thing for him. And no.
0: Nope. I mean, like no, like anyways. That's a different podcast altogether. So, anyways. We, we may have fought in off screen about X factor because uh, <laughs> we have like really different fields on it. And um, I, I'm curious what your expectations for it were going in. Cause I had expectations. I'm curious about yours. Well, I
1: mean, I knew that it was going to be uh, dealing with resurrection. And of course, resurrection um, is the backbone of the entire Krakoan society. And like, yes, it's supposed to be like this religious ceremony or, or rite of passage or or whatever. But it had also been coming across like super ominous, like maybe even shady. So I kind of expected that this book was going to be digging into you know giving us some answers or really just like confirming the idea that okay maybe this is kind of a suspicious process and maybe we're meant to be asking you know these kinds of questions and right off the bat x factor you know was dealing with that with aurora being dead and the five requiring like proof of death before they would enter her into you know the resurrection protocol so it did wind up following pretty, pretty closely to what um, I thought that it was going to. Um, and I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, but I, I should level set by saying, you know, right off the bat, I knew I was going to enjoy this book because, you know, both Rachel and Polaris are, are on the cast, um, two of my all time favorites. And then if you, when you round that out with like a crew of queer men, like Northstar, Dakin and Prodigy, like I'm in hundred percent. So, you know, our initial, you, you, you may have been correct in your initial, um, you know, impressions of the book um, but I just couldn't get past like my love for the setup and the cast um, that I, I just loved it from the go, from the go.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. We talked about it on this on, on on Generations of X, and I think my initial feels for it. I was trying to I was trying to look into you know what we had talked about in my notes, which are always so disorganized. But <laughs> I what I went in expecting for this was that we were going to already have a system in place for resurrection and X factor was going to be the team to implement it. Because like that, again, I was, o- I overanalyzed things instead of just looking at a book and being like, Oh, this should be a fun book. Let me write this story. But I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why are they talking about, you need proof of resurrection? And it, because the five wouldn't do it, but who's doing that in the, in the meantime, is it up yeah. to the individual who wants a family member, a friend, whatever, resurrected and like the burden of proof is on that person, like there should have been uh, an agency in there. And we talked about this, you said something, we were like, oh, maybe maybe this is just the early days of Krakoa, maybe it's not caught up to where we're at with, um, with where we're at in the main story. But no, it really was them establishing that. And again, I think going back to that idea that like, okay, this is a baby nation, they are figuring things out as they go, maybe don't question things too harshly right. here. And I think one thing that I, I've come to appreciate about the book, especially doing a second read on it, is yeah. the characters, obviously, like a character yeah. like Polaris. And, you know, I think my initial apprehension with Popo was, why does she sound like she's like a 19-year-old? And I said that to Demando Martini. And Demando was like, no, like, that, that's, you're 30, blah, blah, blah. You still do things like that. And that's fine. And you know what? I I happily swallow my words. And I think you said something about Lorna being that girl, which I love. And I don't want to steal your words. Well, yeah,
1: I, you know, like you said, we did discuss it on, on Generations of X, but I, my initial feels about, about Polaris was like, she was, she was written. I agree. She was written a little bit too young Um, in the way she was depicted. It was pretty clear to me that they were trying to like, riff off of the gifted version of Polaris and like of course Emma Dumont was great in that role and I did actually really enjoy the gifted for what it was um but that's just isn't how she's ever really been depicted in the comics you know
0: yeah no I I agree with you and you were in the gifted weren't you you Um... exist. You you exist in the Foxverse, bitch. I do, I
1: do. Yes, my my I should have said, excuse me for misspeaking. My my co-star, Miss Emma Dumont. But yes, I was, <laughs> I was a background extra in the uh, Brian Singer directed pilot of The Gifted. So I can say I've been directed by Brian Singer as well, and I exist in the in the Foxverse. That's so you know those are pretty pretty big deals, but. Um, yeah, it was just the back of my head. I was playing uh, like a lawyer or something whose office was uh, invaded by the mutant registration people. And they came in and they snatched a the little portfolio brief I was holding. And I, you can only see, like I said, you can only see the back of my head. But you can tell that I am pissed. Like I had a
0: whole dialogue. She's an actress. She's a fucking actress.
1: I'm a fucking non-academy award winning right. actress baby okay i'm but- sorry
0: i'm sorry here's meryl everyone look out here's meryl the real maybe, Merrill I, am the Merrill. maybe I am the meryl maybe i am the meryl all on right sidebar like i was just watching a clip of the first wives club because elizabeth olsen was talking about it and goldie is immaculate that. that is a oh, horrible sidebar right? that
1: whole fucking movie is immaculate yeah. Oh, I love that movie.
0: Anyways, wait, 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 going back. But no, you also said something else and I don't want to steal your words because I think you said it so beautifully and more articulate than I could ever put together here. But you said, oh, Lord, totally that girl who shows up to a meeting with a, late to a meeting with a coffee cup. You said that and I was like, it framed it for me though, because like, I, you know, that girl, I know that girl. Oh, we yeah. are that girl. We are. that. Oh girl yeah. Sometimes. Well, you it are that girl. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're, you're in your twenties or your thirties, your forties, fifties, whatever, you will always be that girl. And so like, I was like, okay, I think the only thing that I have to say about that is, and we can start getting into like the issues, but like in, in house of X, when we first saw Pilar, there she's like humans, what good are they? And then she's written. So differently so it's not even yes. let's not even just say an age thing it's more of a personality thing we're doing it so differently and then when we got into ten of swords like girlfriend really cared about rock slide out of and nowhere like, and i'm like okay like i mean to the point that i was just like girl like what what is here and like i love that don't get me wrong within the context of x factor that is not bad It's not bad. It's not poorly written. It's not a poorly written thing. It's not like blah, blah, blah. I was just, it was jarring that we were getting sort of these different interpretations of Lorna, And then all of a sudden she was just like, I care about my students so much. I wouldn't even expect that from Emma who loves her students, you know, who literally is traumatized by her students. I felt Pilar's reaction like holding his head and everything was like all one way. So that those were some of my initial, like characterization was one of those things. And you know, what one of the scenes I will talk about but when North Star throws the body of Aurora, who, like, yes, you don't agree with me. No one agrees with me when I say it. Like, I get it. She could be resurrected. I don't know why. I always think, like, I, you would be a little bit more careful with it. But for me, it's just me, Dayspring the Reader. I just felt like some of the characterization was off. That's not to say it was poorly written. It's just some of the characterization felt weird to me.
1: No, and I I, I, I kind of figured you were going to bring up that, that North Star uh, <laughs> example, because... And I really don't want to harp too much on it because I think we disagreed pretty strongly, uh, (laughs) whether or not that was in character for him. So you know, Doc Sampson has told me I don't need to harp too much on the past,
0: but you know, I dig that knife in there.
1: I (laughs) mean, but I do think that North Star has always kind of been. You know, shown himself to be kind of a single-minded dick, and he was so laser-focused on getting his sister to the front of the resurrection queue that, like, you know, he wasn't maybe thinking straight. And like, as someone who has died and been resurrected himself, speaking of Northstar, not me. I mean, we know I have. to. I know. But, I was like, I was like, yeah, oh. but <laughs> about to get really deep and personal here. But no. like, Jesus. single. <laughs> uh, but like he's died, you know, Northstar yeah. was, was, was killed by Wolverine, his friend. And like, I yeah. just, I think maybe he's like numb to the mechanics of it, you know, or maybe he has just gotten a little new agey and realizes, you know, you are not this body. You are your yeah. soul. I don't no, know. That's it fair. didn't jar me as much as it, it, it did it you just me. because he's such kind of a dick anyway, you yeah. know?
0: no and i think now understanding the context of the book and understanding that like this is them establishing these resurrection protocols in terms of like proof of death and stuff like that and and north star being you know the one thing i I did note in this read were like all of the people were gathering and giving presents to the five um which is something i understood very well in the first read but in this next read i was like okay i get it north star has a twin sister he felt her death he must have felt it as if his own death and mm-hmm. that's why he has a sense of urgency but um i thought you know i thought it was a really great kickoff like my second read of x factor has been far more um better because i i think i've enjoyed it and i thought about you obviously when i read it and how mm-hmm. should i approach this and and i i think it's good you know i i still think some of the characterization feels off for me and you know like i like rachel i here's the thing and and, and here's where i'm going to be a hypocrite and eat my words i like how rachel is written here but it doesn't traditionally feel like rachel to me especially since i've gone back and read some older issues Her during like the but i like this interpretation of the character and i think it jives well with what we're seeing in uh hickman's x-men and cable does that make so sense? So I,
1: I shockingly we disagree about Rachel. Shockingly. Oh!
0: Oh well, my actually, God. no,
1: let me give you let me give you something first. I'm gonna give hey, you something she, first. She
0: was coming to the table for you. She was coming to the table. I like, I, okay, I have, have to, to say something doing.
1: that you pointed out uh in Generations of X, and we were talking about the first issue. Um, that you didn't enjoy was Rachel casually telling that mother that she was raising a psychopath.
0: Oh, oh, and I still don't. And that is actually in my notes here.
1: I'm going to give it to you. That was wrong. That was wrong. Yeah. But other than that, I really appreciated how Leah wrote Rachel here. I mean, first of all, someone finally remembered that she's more than just a telepath.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's got yeah. chrono-skimming
1: powers, which yeah. are totally useful when you're doing detective work. Great. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, Rachel, and maybe I'm just saying this because Rachel is my favorite character on this cast by like, by far.
0: No, she's written so cool. She's written as a cool character. I like how she's written. I do like how she's she's written.
1: She's written as competent and appropriately powerful, which is, is, is the thing with Rachel. She's like one of those characters who's, you know, in the wrong writer's hands. She can be written as you know, kind of a self doubter who, who, who doesn't know her place in the world. And while that might have been true in the 80s, it's most certainly shouldn't be true now. And I feel like a lot of writers default to that for her and that maybe her being so confident here, and so just like casual about everything might feel a little bit out of character. But I think it, you know, whether we actually saw that progression and got to a natural, from a natural place, I like that progression for her. She should be confident. She should be cool and collected at all times because she literally was grown up in a hellscape and now she is part of this utopian society. So she should, you know, all things considered, she probably should be pretty fucking chill in the environment that she's in. And I do have to say two things. One, I love this costume. It's one of my absolute favorites for her. High neck jacket and high waisted pants for Rachel Summers forever. And also just, this is maybe just more of a a nod to how like brilliant and subtle Leah Williams is in her writing, but like the fist bump with hope in issue one.
0: That's all I ever needed from those
1: characters. I
0: loved it so much. I did love that a lot. it, 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 you're absolutely right. That's all you need from those characters. There, she's her aunt. Yeah, they're, they're, that, that's her. She's aunt. her something. Her <laughs> some, something. I love that. No, Gene and Scott are the grandparents here. Uh, it's. Ridiculous. I love that. I love that. No, and I agree. Listen, I, I want to be very clear. I I think what I've also like digested is that Hickman said this, like in the months between Uncanny X Men that that the reboot that happened and Hawksbox stuff happened. We're not going back And I think it was six months. I think it was six months. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, So that's fine. Rachel, when we last saw her in, um, oh my God, what was it called? Oh my God, the crossover with that person uh, where they sent the old five extermination. Oh, yes. um, Where she kind of like with Ahab, like had become enslaved again, like stuff like that. Like she grew, you know, in the interim. It's fine. Like I'm, I'm happy. I don't want a character like Rachel being like Phoenix with my mom. I think she's written so well. I would have here's the thing though, I just would have liked to have seen that journey because I think it's interesting for Rachel. That's the only that would that would be my only note. Apart from that, everything you said I agree with, and I agree with my past self that because I saw that it's in my notes here about telling the kid that it's raising a psycho. I'm like, I would have approached that a little bit differently. Little bit, but, but because because like dude. Because I, I literally am just looking at this from a different perspective. I was like, "Oh, he wanted to hurt amazing baby, and she is like this really cool character who's not going to deal with bullshit. She's going to call him out on it, and that is that is an interesting approach." Well, like and you me, know what? Look like at Be me just beyond that. Look like at me disagreeing with you, agreeing with an old opinion I have. Like this is the layers in our friendship. meta as fuck. Uh, no, <laughs> but, but like,
1: like, I just this 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 thought just sort of came to me like Rachel's from the future. So she, maybe she knows something about that kid that we don't, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe she knows that that kid turns out to be a psychopath and she just doesn't want to, you know, spoil it for the rest of us. I don't know. It's probably not that deep. It was probably just Leah Williams probably thought that it would be funny.
0: And it was cute. It was, it was cute enough. It was cute enough for that beat. And like, You know, I think I I think the story really, you know, took off when we got Siren in. And I wanna know all your thoughts on that, because I think that's where we kind of left off in our
1: Yes. So uh, (laughs) it's
0: our friendship. (laughs) Resurrect.
1: I feel like everything I say is like, well, I love this from the past, so of course I love that this acknowledges that. And that's kind of I mean, that's being an X-Men fan in general, but you know, once again, I was such a big fan of Peter David's X Factor. Um, and I never really thought that the cliffhanger with with Siren being possessed by the Morrigan was 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 ever going to be revisited. It was just such a random plot point from from so long ago at this point. But but here we are again, um, you know, I know that it, it's kind of super dark, but that's kind of it's I, I feel like it's appropriate for this book, the idea of Siren, you know, killing herself over and over again, so that the Morrigan can't perform a mass sacrifice ritual on Krakoa. I mean, that is, is dark. It's heroic. It's such a, a a bigger, better story than I could have ever really pictured the, the this Morrigan plot point ever ever going. And, I, you know, you said it, you said it. I think it was around issue five. I think issue four, I think, is, is Ten of Swords. And I think we came back issue five uh, with Siren. And I'm going to say, you know, five, five through ten, um, that last half of the, of the book is just, it really picked up once that oh, started yeah. happening. And, it absolutely you know, did. You know, I thought the part... Uh, I think it was issue six um, where they highlighted how like everybody contributed to the siren interrogation was super clever. You know, I boy was the living lie detector. Rachel was the formidable telepath. Uh, Dakin had his, his super strong senses. And then prodigy was there sort of just like riffing on them all. It, 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 it shows that, you know, Leah Williams not only put a lot of thought into um, you know, the Morgan storyline and how she wanted that to shake out, but it really demonstrated how much thought she put into who should be on this team and why, you know, it yeah. it, it it's clearly when, when you have like panels like that, that literally are explaining why everybody's there, you know, that this isn't just some sort of assortment of random mutants like yeah here's a team of my favorites like no this is an investigation squad and everyone has a reason for being here just just little things like that that started like popping up in the in the back half of the run just really cemented like why i love this book
0: yeah no i mean that's precisely it i I, one of my notes here was that like all their powers come together and they form this synergy and this is why they're the ones who can investigate everything that's happening on krakoa and 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 these murders and i thought it was really smart that we leaned into characters like aurora and siren and we were able to do a tour of mojo world and pick up Windancer and yeah. get shatterstar back oh and extreme x-man or extreme excuse me uh who i love who we still haven't spoken about x-men legends but that is a sidebar that is a tangent that's for another,
1: another episode that's
0: another episode um i really i have to tell you i enjoyed it so much seeing yeah. the story the problem that i had ultimately was that i was hoping that we would get duplicates, you know, happening here, or that like some major like head scratchers with, you know, resurrection protocols. But that being said though, I think this is like dragnet, you know what I mean? Like it's all about the mystery behind that. And I think Leah Williams fucking killed it. I thought she, she did a great job. I thought the art was great. I'm glad it was consistent throughout I am going to say something and I'm going to feel. Oh boy, here we go. No, and look, I think this is, this is because I feel this way because I love you. I'm only saying this because you are making me say this. Oh, I, I I thought Dazzler was going to have a bigger spiel in, in her issue. I thought it was going to be a little (laughs) bigger. And I love that little beat. By the way, thing about Leah Williams, which is something I've always talked about, I want writers, like, you don't have to tell a whole story in a panel between two characters. It's just that acknowledgement. And when Shatterstar goes after Ali, and he's here like, Dazzler, she's like, yeah. And it's kind of like that, you know. know, Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. She did that well, but that being said, I I really wanted something bigger for Dazzler in that issue. And I know you did like that issue, by the way. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, look, if we're being honest, my issue nine is my favorite issue of the entire series. It might be my favorite issue of the entire Krakoan era. I just, I loved it so, so much. It was so action-packed. I mean, not only do we spend, you know, it, it just, it's so dense. There's just so much going on. Like, it's hard to believe that it's all in there. But I mean, we've got... We we learn what's really going on with Siren and how to fix her. And that mm-hmm. solution ties back to the earlier mojo verse issues and Shadowstar is the only one who can defeat the Morrigan. And then it literally then goes and turns into a tiny crossover with new mutants, including Warpath in his shorty shorts, which mm, always always a joy to see.
0: That. But and like, that scene with Emma and Danny, it was yes. beautiful. And it was an era that we thought you specifically said, I think that that people had forgotten about. And no, it was a, it was an interesting time.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like if we're talking about epic team ups, I mean, and I know that you know where, where, where I'm going with this. Have you like, have you ever read a scene in a comic book and just been like, man, this was written just for me. Yeah well obviously for me dazzler teaming up with dj lila cheney surge and wind dancer to like free all the slaves in the mojo verse with lights and music i mean my god that is just so fucking epic and like i know you say that dazzler should have gotten more and you know i'm the first one to say that dazzler should always have more but like her song lyrics were so incredible for like what was happening sure. and David Baldion's segmented like splash page showing all the little details of the plan in action and everybody doing their part it was just it was just gorgeous and like i the, the whole issue was 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 gorgeous and chock full mm-hmm. of like character moments i i it it could have been and should have been like an entire
0: crossover
1: i mean yeah.
0: I just felt like it was, I'm I'm sorry, and it's not to take away from the gravity of that scene, because I thought it was a great scene. But what you just said right there, I feel like that should have been like their major crossover event or something like that, just because it was so well done. But look, it's a testament to Leah Williams and her writing, which I've always said, I think she's a great writer.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like she this was like, think about it. This is a regular sized comic. This was not any sort of giant size, planet size, extra size, anything. It was your regular 399 comic. And we got so, so much in there and maybe certain things felt slightly rushed, but I mean, we got Dazzler and Lila sharing a stage. We got Shatterstar and Dazzler's family connections. We got more wind dancer, more Adam X and just like, so many threads in this were, were, were touched upon. And I mean, obviously all of them could have been expanded on and given room to breathe, but I just feel like Leah did such an incredible job telling this super robust story while also kind of wrapping like a whole series up in a single issue. I, I don't know, I, I was... Yes, I want more, but I also left feeling like so satisfied and it really is a testament to to her writing that she was able to incorporate all of those seemingly disparate plot points in one issue and wrap things up so much better than most X books get wrapped up.
0: Well, absolutely. And we know how the book ended with Wanda, you know, in this last issue. Like my heart was broken, and I was thinking about this because, like, I was thinking about like how well it was. This the last issue. I think they have one more issue, right? No, this they is it. More... Oh, that was it.
1: Issue ten. That's it. We're I done. Thought there was
0: an issue eleven. Oh my god! No. I thought there was going to be an epilogue. Okay, well, no. it ends with Wanda's death. Yes, and Leah did a great job. Kind of. I don't. I don't know. Again, a characterization here. I'm not saying that. Like, I don't think within the context of the story it was poorly written, but I'm just thinking like, would 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 tommy have said mom mommy it felt a little weird for me it was a weird beat for me but anyways regardless of that little me being crazy and hyper analyzing everything i thought like she brought in wanda's death a little organically and it's something that x factor has been dealing with with deaths how are they going to deal with the pretenders death they just got like it's like if like fucking angelina jolie got murdered and the detective assigned to it they just got like the huge biggest case ever i'm excited for trial of magneto i the only qualm i have with that is i wish wanda and this is not leah williams i wish wanda had been peppered into the hellfire gala a little bit more than just seeing her in sword and then like bringing in her here to die i don't think it's anything wrong to like people to guess ahead of time that wanda would have been the one who gets murdered yeah but you were right you called it you called it you knew she was gonna die
1: well yeah, I mean as soon as we saw her like show up in that random panel, like she 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 didn't have a uh, speak until Sword, but she was in the background dancing with Magneto in one of the ish, when, one of the earlier of Hellfire X. Gala issues. I can't remember.
0: It was way which of X, one X when 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 Kirk got drunk and like teleported yes. there. Yes, yes. I read yes, yes. I read it the other way around. I read I read Sword first and then Ah, uh, see, I read, see, I read
1: yeah, I read Way of X first. So I knew as soon as I was like, "Well, well, wait, uh you know, that seems like that, that, that's definitely going to lead to something. Um, so, you know, that's I think we'll probably, I
0: really liked, I, I probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more had I seen it, read it that way or yeah. uh, her appearance in a little bit more, had I read it the, the way you did. Yeah. It
1: was like, what the fuck, what, what the yeah. fuck is the Scarlet Witch doing here? And then yeah. I, I got that answer, you know, later on right. um, in, in sword. Um, but, you know, I, it was really obvious to me, you know, as soon as I saw that that Wanda was going to die, and I, I definitely, you know, I don't want to speculate too wildly about what, what's going to happen in the trial of Magneto, but I think he's going to have a a good reason for for killing her, and I think the most obvious reason um, for for killing her would be because he found some way to resurrect her as a mutant. Yeah.
0: I'm hoping that's what it is. I'm trying not to put on like my clown makeup. I mean, sight Wandavision, but I'm hoping. I really am hoping that they're going to retcon the retcon. But I mean, they're going to have to do that with Pietro as well. So right. let's see how that let's see how that all goes. But I'm excited. Leah Williams is going to be doing that. I'm excited. We're going to get the team that we've had now. I, you know what? It, maybe is this like the kind of format that they're going to be doing with the yeah. Xbox, where you have this hardcore team like in Way of X. Right and an X factor, and maybe the books are coming to an end for whatever reason, but then they're going to put them in these like mini crossovers. So that way you can at least see where the story built towards something, and it mattered. And it was important. I don't know. I Again, I, I don't know enough about how they're handling the sales or shipping of the books and stuff like that. But um, I'm really excited for Trial of Magneto. And I think we ended on a big high with this series. And You know, you said you were satisfied, I agree, reading it this other time, but I also was left wanting more, which is also a good thing, and we are gonna get more in Trial of Magneto.
1: I mean, as long as we're, the the more that we get kind of continues with this cast and not just like the murder mystery angle, because I have to say like the characterization on this book is one of the main reasons that, you know, I, I love it so much. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I've mentioned, you know, all of the, the queer characters that are on the cast, but like, Dokken, you know, I love that he's a character that's been around for a while now, but I've never really had like that breakthrough moment with him. But I sort of have have had that here. And again, an, you know, more testament to, to Leah Williams' good writing is like, he wound up on the team because he's day drunk and wants to bang Northstar's hot sister. And I mean, that's like very on brand for in for 1.0, but like very subtly over the course of the series, he kind of transforms into like this nicer, newer version. And like a lot of that comes down to his relationship with Aurora, which also developed really well over the course of the book. And I think that it served to add some like much needed depth to both of their characters. So yes, you know, I want the murder mystery angle to, to continue, but I also really hope that like the relationships and like the characterizations from from this series also go forward in some way, whether it's Leah writing it or, or not. I think she's done so much uh, for so many of the characters here, that I would hate to see it all just, you know, go away. Go away,
0: I agree. And you know, it's. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the. I say Dakin. I know I'm saying it. Who wrong, knows? No, a lot of people have said Daken. Um but Dakin and Aurora. I really, I was not a fan of that. I was like, oh, this feels so off, so cringeworthy. Like, but no, I, I agree with you. Reading it on this second read and seeing their relationship come to fruition, especially at the Hellfire Gala. I thought it was really lovely. I love when Kyle saw Aurora and they did the callback to that relationship. I thought it was hysterical and all well handled. I agree. I think something that Leo Williams does really well is that she respects history. Yeah, She knows these characters, things that people have forgotten about. She brings them up and she makes it matter and she makes it woven into the story. And that's what any good writer does. So. Going into the trial of Magneto, bring it on.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, but one of the things I know you love about the book so much, and you've said this to me countless times on DM, and, and I agree with you, it was the first queer Don of X book. And I think we saw that, especially in this last issue with Prodigy. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. And you know, I, Prodigy had this like, really great low key story arc, you know, I, I, I didn't in the first issue, it says that he's like freshly resurrected, but you know, I didn't really pay too much attention to that at, at, at the Same. time. And I guess if I, And
0: I forgot, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I even yeah. forgot that he had been resurrected initially until I re- right. read it again. But anyways, I'm sorry for you. All.
1: No. Yeah. But, but I'm sure you, you as me, probably just assumed that he went through, you know, the crucible or, or something and just, and came back to life. And in fact, I think it was wind dancer actually, like mention that to him in issue five, but he quickly shrugged it off. And, you know, as we know by the end, of course, um, that wasn't the case at all. He did not go through the crucible. He was, he was murdered and it wound up being like a pretty timely arc about violence against queer people of color. And like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this again, I have to give more props to, to, to Leah Williams. She's, she's really good at building that background mystery. So like, while I didn't even pick up on the fact that it was happening at first, when you reread it, there are all these clues there the entire time, but we're not even explicitly told that something is amiss until issue number seven. So, like her her ability to to see the mystery is is incredible. The the timely story about violence against queer people of color is incredible, and just this book in general is just so queer i mean aside from prodigy we have you know and his crop top that's pretty queer uh we have north star we have docking we have rachel i mean i i think it's pretty established that 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 rachel is at least on the spectrum of queerness um yeah. we have you know little things like bling and mercury making out in in the background and i i do want to hop back to prodigy again for a moment and talk about his relationship with speed because like number 1 that scene with him fangirling over northstar was fucking adorable um mm. but but also you know the the appearances of of prodigy and and tommy to this point uh being a couple were 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 pretty sparse and like i really have to give marvel some props here it's because right around this exact time was when Billy and Tommy became suddenly more famous than, than ever before, thanks to WandaVision. And the characters have more eyes on their wikis and you know Googling images of them uh, than ever before. And when you stop and think about it, well, what were they doing concurrently with all of this mass media exposure? And you have Billy getting married to Teddy, a, a gay wedding, and then Tommy's over in X Factor making out with Prodigy. Yeah. So, like, I know we as LGBTQIA fans have kind of got used to, you know, disappointment over the years, but something about having two brand new MCU stars being allowed to, to be so very out um, concurrently is, is just, it felt like a, a, a big deal to me, honestly.
0: No, and I'm having, like, literally, like, goosebumps as you said that, because I agree with you. Like, all eyes have been on WandaVision and the Twins, and Marvel could have done anything with them, but no, they put them front and center of a massive crossover. They're showing that they're openly LGBTQIA plus characters. Like, there's... I've said this before. I don't think it's perfect by any means, but we're getting somewhere... Like, do you remember ten years ago when Northstar and Richter kiss, and you had to fight people on like the CBR boards? Like, it it was it was vitriolic. It was it was a horrible atmosphere. So I'm just so glad we are at a point now where these characters are front and center. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with you. And and Leah Williams. You know, and, and I want to give people who need the trigger warning, have that trigger warning going into this issue, because it is a really hard thing to read that yes. the violence was committed against a person of color who was LGBTQIA but Leah Williams through Aurora delivered a wonderful message about that. Yep. And I just, when Aurora spoke like that, I was, I was quite moved. I thought it was oh, yeah. beautiful. I thought it was so beautiful.
1: Well, and, you know, just to sort of piggyback off of that, I thought, you know, Aurora was was developed wonderfully over the, over the course of this as well. But so far as, you know, LGBT, LGBTQIA+, you know, North Star, his character development, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty big deal to have an out gay man leading a squad of X-Men, especially one with such an explicitly important purpose within the entire Krakoan society. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, or maybe one of our listeners can, can let us know, is this, is this the first time we've had an out leader of, of an X team? I mean, maybe Iceman has had a squad once or twice, but I really yeah. don't think so since, since coming out.
0: No, I don't think so. I'm trying to think back. He didn't, Gene was the one who led the team during Eve of Destruction Mm -hmm. and he played a big role. And then when he was, no, you're absolutely, well, I mean, we can get into worse Cyclops on the sexual spectrum right now, especially with everything going on in the movie. True. But we
1: haven't, it's not explicit. You know, his husband isn't in the book with him.
0: Yeah. So, like, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's really great in the That is important. I think it's a testament to representation and that matters to Marvel right now, but specifically it mattered to Leah Williams.
1: Yeah, and and it certainly matters to you and me. I mean, we've been reading these books our entire lives without out gay men leading X-Men teams. And now to to have that here, it's so important. And he's such a competent leader by the end of the book too.
0: Oh, I know, I know. I can't believe that listeners, excuse me, I can't believe that readers are going to, come into this like series and they have an openly gay man leading x factor like and all these new baby readers who are just popping up like they're going to read that and it's not going to be what you know we had to go through as readers where it's like oh they're being coy about this relationship or something like that or is our mystique and destiny together like no it's just out there in the open and it's not like bobby and like all these innuendos like it is explicit so i i think everything you just said was wonderful because it's a conversation that they meant to have and this is why that book exists and this is why so many people are disappointed that the book isn't going on
1: and this is why it was nominated for a glad award
0: mic drop right there all right so before we wrap i think we've hit like everything that we were gonna talk about but who do you think was the standout cast member
1: I think this answer will probably surprise you because this was the person I was, I cared about the least going into it. But, but Jean Grey isn't in this book. She's Jean not, she's not. Book. Thank God for that. The superior, <laughs> the superior Grey is in this book. No, but I, I'm going to have to say iBoy, Boy, I, boy. Um,
0: I agree. I had iBoy on this as well. I thought iBoy really shined.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, he was definitely the character I cared about the least going into this. I mean, you know, and I think yeah. anyone who listened to Generations of-, of X will know that I am no fan of Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men. And so yeah. I am like super inclined to dislike all of the ridiculous mutants he created for that cast. But I was kind of already starting to come around to iBoy because of the the Generation X series we got a couple of years back. I've really enjoyed that but now because of leah williams i might actually be a stan like <gasps> audible
0: Gas. i, I agree know.
1: but like whether it was it, it was him reading polaris and knowing she was lying after the Morrigan had manipulated her or like looking forward to like he almost could like look into the future at, at this point like he's being developed into this almost Omega uh-huh. level mutant here. We don't know his potential. North star is like trying to keep his potential from the quiet council, which is a plot point. Wars. I would have like loved to have seen followed up on. Maybe and we will. It, it, I think he's a, a, a excellent representation of a character who maybe we didn't see potential in before, but within the hands of a good writer has the potential to be awesome. And can I just say that any scene where David baldion was drawing Ibor's, I, Ibor, Iboy's I, powers sorry. in action is a gift.
0: I, I literally had that in my notes. The art for Iboy was wonderful. It was beautiful. Like all those little like circles and like, yes. oh, it was gorgeous. It was well, and like, you gorgeous. just
1: don't like, I don't think anybody ever tried it exactly like that before like it was like oh here's his mutant powers to be covered in eyes and you just don't really think like what yeah. can all of those eyes really see and like pick up on and i think evolving his powers to to that level was was great so i think eye boy was certainly the most improved and he was like the surprise star of the book for me for
0: sure i couldn't agree with you more and I'm so happy we had this conversation.
1: I am too, man. I mean, X Factor, I I just have to say, like, bravo to Leah and David. Um, thank bravo. you to, to, to Brett for letting this be a thing. Uh, and and of course, Hickman, our, our head of X. It, it, I just, this really, truly is a moment for me. This book is a moment. It happens every now and then where there'll be just this short run on X-Men, that burns so bright and burns out so quickly. And it this, this run is going to stick with me. This is going to be, yep. you know, a, a Kieran Gillen or a Mike Carey that I'm going to be talking. You know, it didn't last all that long relative to how long the franchise has been around, but it, re- you know, in its limited amount of time, really had an effect on me. So I cannot say enough wonderful things about this book. I'm going to miss it horribly.
0: So you're going to be around more? And I'm so happy for that. I mean, this conversation is a testament to why we get along and why we jive so well.
1: Oh, yes. Um,
0: but you're also starting your own thing. I if, am. Can, you, can I... you vaguely plug that? Well, I will be starting.
1: I'm not going to get into too many details because we're still ironing it out. But I am actually this weekend recording a pilot episode for a podcast with my dear friend, Mary, who anyone who listened to Generations of X will remember from our Christmas episode. Uh, We shoved her into the deep end of X-Men continuity with a a couple of rando, you know, Christmas X-Men x men issues, I'll call them. Uh, And we're going to be exploring our mutual favorite television show, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. So... I'll leave you guessing as to uh, what the actual content is gonna be. I, I, I know you know um, what it is, but let's just say, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little clue. It's the, the network television alternative to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's something that is- in that vein-ish with a strong female lead from that
0: era of television. And okay, and we're gonna just end it right there because I can make some bad puns that will <laughs> give it away. But I am the uncanny spring,
1: And I am the adjectiveless Flinkman,
0: happy to be back. And we will see you all next week. See you later.